Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, The Patriarchal Blessing from Hell. As listeners to this program are likely aware, Bill Reel and I did a Mormonism Live show just this past Wednesday on the subject of patriarchal blessings and how sometimes the more seriously a member takes their own patriarchal blessing, the more problems and disasters it can cause in their lives. Today's date is June 18th, 2022. Today is Saturday, so last Wednesday was June 15th of 2022. It was this morning that I received some information that was generated because of that podcast last Wednesday. And this information came from a longtime friend of mine whose name I'm going to change and pretend that it's John. John is not his real name. But as they do so often in general conference, I am going to change the names so there's no way that you can check this story to see whether it's actually true. No, seriously, I assure you it is true. I would not be putting it out on the air unless I had verified that it is correct or at least was substantially certain that the source of information that I have on this and the documents that I have received are indeed accurate. My friend, John, is someone I have known since I got off my mission back in November of 1981. I returned to the family residence in Austin, Texas, where they had moved while I was on my mission and began making new acquaintances in the church. One of these acquaintances was John. I was very struck by the fact that he really took a lot of time to try and learn about church history. The first time I remember seeing him was at a gathering of young adults, and he was busy listing off the names, the full names, of all of the first 12 apostles who were called in this dispensation back in 1835. Yes, he had the names memorized and was listing them off, and I, for one, was quite impressed. And in some ways, John served as a person that I wanted to emulate with my knowledge of church history and work hard so it would approach his. Well, time has gone by. John has gotten older, as have I. John has had children, as have I. And back in 2009, John had a son whose name will also remain undisclosed for purposes of this podcast. But he took his son to go get his patriarchal blessing. This was from their stake patriarch. And I have in front of me a copy of the second page of that patriarchal blessing. And it was what was said in relation to John's son's lineage that caught John's eye. And that caused quite a stir, not only in John's stake, but all the way up to the Quorum of Twelve Apostles in Salt Lake City. Here is what it said. The stake patriarch blessing John's son. I bless you to know that your lineage is through the loins of Aaron. Let me repeat that. I bless you to know that your lineage is through the loins of Aaron, he who was a brother to the ancient prophet Moses and a spokesman for Moses. So there's no question that we're talking about the Old Testament Aaron. Yeah, that Aaron, the guy who, according to Mormon doctrine, the Aaronic priesthood is named after. And not only that, Mormon doctrine goes even further when it comes to lineal and literal descendants of Aaron. They have special privileges in the priesthood and in the offices of the church. And I recognized this as soon as I read that line, and so did my friend John, because once again, he knows his stuff. The issue with being a lineal descendant of Aaron, if you are a male, means that you are entitled by legal right to be the presiding bishop in the LDS church. And not only that, but to serve without counselors. 
If we go to section 107 of the Doctrine and Covenants, which was received on March 28, 1835, by Joseph Smith the Prophet, we find the following beginning at verse 13. The second priesthood is called the priesthood of Aaron because it was conferred upon Aaron and his seed throughout all their generations. Why it is called the lesser priesthood is because it is an appendage to the greater or the Melchizedek priesthood and has power in administering outward ordinances. The bishopric is the presidency of this priesthood. Note that it's talking about the presiding bishopric in this passage, not just a bishop of any particular ward. And there were no bishops of any particular ward when this was given. There was a presiding bishop in Zion or in Jackson County, and there was another presiding bishop in Kirtland. Those were the only two presiding bishops or bishops of any kind that existed in the church at the time this was given in 1835. The bishopric is the presidency of this priesthood and holds the keys or authority of the same. No man, this is verse 16, no man has a legal right to this office to hold the keys of this priesthood except he be a literal descendant of Aaron. But as a high priest of the Melchizedek priesthood has authority to officiate in all the lesser offices, he may officiate in the office of bishop when no literal descendant of Aaron can be found, provided he is called and set apart and ordained unto this power by the hands of the presidency of the Melchizedek priesthood. So the implication being here is that a presiding bishop is generally not going to be a literal descendant of Aaron, but that's okay because a high priest can serve in that capacity so long as that person is set apart and ordained by the first presidency. This line of thought is continued later on in section 107 in verse 69. Nevertheless, a bishop must be chosen from the high priesthood unless he is a literal descendant of of Aaron. For unless he is a literal descendant of Aaron, he cannot hold the keys of that priesthood. And then it talks about the duties of a presiding bishop. And in verse 73, it continues, this is the duty of a bishop who is not a literal descendant of Aaron, but has been ordained to the high priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. And in verse 76, but a literal descendant of Aaron has a legal right to the presidency of this priesthood, to the keys of this ministry, to act in the office of bishop independently, without counselors. And that, in verse 76, is where we get the idea in Mormon doctrine that a lineal or literal descendant of Aaron has the legal right to serve as the presiding bishop and that he may serve in that capacity without counselors. So that is, of course, why this language in John's son's patriarchal blessing was so significant. Once again, that language from the blessing, I bless you to know that your lineage is through the loins of Aaron. So it sounds like John's son has the legal right to be the presiding bishop of the church and to serve without counselors. By the way, both John and I did a lot of study in Mormonism in our early years, and we both recognized from authoritative sources that when it's talking about being a bishop, in the Revelations, it is talking about being the presiding bishop, not just the bishop of the war that you happen to live in. No, it's the bishop of the entire church. I did a little Google search on this and immediately came up with this same concept, which is on the church website currently in the Doctrine and Covenants Instructor's Guide, Religion 324-325. So this is what is being taught in Institute and in BYU religion courses. Under Lesson 42 of that manual, the order of the priesthood, which 
which covers Section 107 and Official Declaration 2, we find the following. Quote, a literal descendant of Aaron may serve as a presiding bishop without counselors. So there it is in a church publication even today. Now it goes on to say that a literal descendant of Aaron may serve as a presiding bishop without counselors if called by the first presidency. Once again, it goes on to say, a literal descendant of Aaron may serve as a presiding bishop without counselors if called by the first presidency. So it goes from being a legal right, which would seem to be something that you have because of your descent and your lineage from Aaron, and now they're conditioning it upon being called by the first presidency, which doesn't sound like much of a legal right. In other words, you don't have a legal right if someone can give it to you or not give it to you. That's something less than a legal right, and yet legal right is how it is described in the Revelation in section 107. Now there is a passage in section 68 which does talk about this. And it is found in verses 15 through 21 of section 68. And there we get similar language to section 107 about the literal descendants of Aaron. Verse 15, Wherefore they shall be high priests, i.e. those who are called to be the presiding bishop. Wherefore they shall be high priests who are worthy, and they shall be appointed by the first presidency of the Melchizedek priesthood, except they be literal descendants of Aaron. You see, there it sounds like you have the legal right to the office if you are a lineal descendant of Aaron without any calling by the first presidency. It goes on, And if they be literal descendants of Aaron, they have a legal right to the bishopric. If they are the firstborn, among the sons of Aaron. So there's a little bit more of a qualification there. You have to be the firstborn among the sons of Aaron. I don't know if John's son qualifies in that regard. For the firstborn holds the right of the presidency over this priesthood and the keys or authority of the same. And then it goes on to say, no man has a legal right to this office to hold the keys of this priesthood except he be a literal descendant and the firstborn of Aaron. By the way, section 68 was given four years earlier, i.e. earlier than section 107. It was given in November of 1831. And then verse 20 does add this condition. It goes from sounding in both sections like this is a legal right. Well, no, it doesn't sound like it's a legal right. It says it's a legal right in both of those sections for a lineal or literal descendant of Aaron to hold the office of presiding bishop. But verse 20 seems to contradict this when it says, and a literal descendant of Aaron also must be designated by the presidency and found worthy and anointed and ordained under the hands of this presidency. Otherwise, they are not legally authorized to officiate in their priesthood. But verse 21 puts a caveat on that. And it sounds like if you can prove that you're a lineal descendant of Aaron, then basically you show it to the first presidency and they have to comply. They must, providing you're worthy, they must anoint you and ordain you to be the presiding bishop. Here's what verse 21 says. But by virtue of the decree concerning their right of the priesthood descending from father to son, they may claim their anointing if at any time they can prove their lineage or do ascertain it by revelation from the Lord under the hands of the above-named presidency. So, how else would you prove your lineage to be from Aaron except by a patriarchal blessing in the LDS Church? Well, this language in the patriarchal blessing of John's son is highly problematic, but it would have remained probably unknown except for the fact that it came to the attention of the stake president. The reason it came to the attention of the stake president is because apparently the stake president reviewed 
this patriarchal blessing. And in fact, this state president considers it part of his duties to review all patriarchal blessings that are received by anybody within his stake. If that seems a little bit like driving out of your lane, I would agree. And if it seems a little bit like the tail wagging the dog, I would agree with that as well. I'm not sure what right the state president has to review patriarchal blessings. I mean, it's fine if he just wants to read them, but then to make corrections or change them in any way, that is problematic to my way of thinking. Well, what the state president did was he looked at this. He saw the language. He knew the issue with it. He knew what it meant. And the state president sent it up the line, up the chain of command to see if anything needed to be done with this patriarchal blessing. Boyd K. Packer was the person at the top of that line. And Boyd K. Packer told the state president, probably through the necessary channels, that yes, it needed to be changed and there needed to be an addendum done by the same state patriarch for John's son to change this language so that he would no longer be a lineal descendant of Aaron. That was the offending passage that had to go. Now, from my friend John's perspective, he doesn't know that all of this is going on. He finds this out later from talking to the state president at a state conference. The next thing that John knows is that three months later, they get a call from the state patriarch, not the state president, but from the state patriarch saying that John's son needs to come in again to get an addendum for his blessing. And John takes his son in for this addendum. And I have the addendum in front of me, which was given on January 10th, 2010. It also states when the original patriarchal blessing was given on October 11th, 2009. That was the original blessing that said that John's son was a lineal descendant of Aaron. Now listen to what it gets changed to in this addendum. The addendum is just two paragraphs long, although it is the first paragraph of the addendum that mainly concerns us here, and that was the cause for the addendum in the first place. The patriarch states John's son's full name, and goes on. I lay my hands upon your head to give you an addendum to your patriarchal blessing given to you on 11 October 2009, and I do so to clarify your lineage and to state it according to that tribe within the house of Israel, which you are a part of. I bless you to know, dear son, that you belong to the tribe of Levi, the third son born to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. It is a very special tribe. It includes those who officiated in the Aaronic priesthood over the years. Now, for any of you who have trouble keeping all this lineage stuff in your mind, it's even more difficult today when it's not emphasized or talked about as much in the church as it was when I was just joining the church and beginning my study of Mormonism. But you have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Those become the 12 tribes of Israel. Then there's all the stuff that happens with Joseph in the last third of the book of Genesis and his going into Egypt and all the things that happen there. And basically around 400 years transpire between Abraham and Moses, who according to the Old Testament account, or perhaps I should say the account in the Hebrew scriptures, leads the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt and into the promised land after a layover of some 40 years in the wilderness. The main point is that there's 400 years between Moses and Abraham. So roughly 300 years between Moses and Levi. Now we know that Aaron is Moses's brother. So 
Aaron is a descendant of Levi, and so is Moses. But they're not the only descendants of Levi. There are tons and tons of other descendants that have descended from Levi in the intervening three centuries or so. Because of that, we can frame it this way. All descendants of Aaron are descendants of Levi, but not all descendants of Levi are descendants of Aaron. The descendants of Aaron are a distinct subset within the descendants of Levi. And according to Mormon doctrine, it is only those who are descended lineally from Aaron who have the right to be the presiding bishop and to serve without counselors. And if they can prove it by, I don't know, a patriarchal blessing saying they're a lineal descendant of Aaron, then the first presidency has to comply and give them their claim blessing by anointing them and ordaining them to be the presiding bishop where they may serve without counselors. That is why... Boyd K. Packer sent the directive down through the stake president to the stake patriarch that he had to call in John's son and give him a different blessing, an addendum to clarify, i.e. to change the blessing and make it so that he was no longer a descendant of Aaron, but now just a descendant of Levi. And yet he includes some language about Aaron in there in order to sort of cover up his tracks. If you're just a descendant of Levi, there's no problem for the leadership of the church. You have no claim to be the presiding bishop. But if you are a descendant of Aaron, that is a problem, according to the revelations in the church's own book of doctrine and covenants. So I wanted to share this story with you in a somewhat brief podcast today because I thought this was a very interesting update to the episode we did on Mormonism Live last Wednesday about patriarchal blessings. It seems that the church either doesn't trust its scriptures or it doesn't trust its patriarchs. Or perhaps more accurately put, it trusts its patriarchs as long as their pronouncements only negatively impact the members of the church to whom they're giving the blessings. But when those blessings negatively impact the leaders of the church, that's when they leap into action and force stake patriarchs to do an addendum. By the way, something else that was interesting in the story that was related to me by my friend John is that when they went back for the addendum, the stake patriarch told them that on the day he was scheduled to give this blessing to John's son, he felt that he was going to be giving a very special blessing that evening. He did not know what it was about the blessing that would be special, but he felt strongly that there would be something special in that blessing. And that evening when he is giving his patriarchal blessing, the first patriarchal blessing to John's son, the one that says he's a lineal descendant of Aaron, the patriarch understood the significance of that statement as well. And the patriarch felt commanded to use that language. In fact, he resisted this impulse, this inspiration, this revelation to state these words three times because he knew of their significance. And yet he felt he was being commanded and therefore he followed the commanding revelation from God to designate John's son as a lineal descendant of Aaron, only to find out that after he had done so, it gets reviewed by the stake president, shot up to Boyd K. Packer, and another commandment comes, this one not from God, but from the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, that he has to change that language so it will not cause problems for church leadership in the future. Well, that's about all there is to tell about this story. I wanted to get it out there as quickly as possible. I am getting it out and published the same day that I learned of it, which is a pretty quick turnaround as far as I'm concerned. 
I hope you've enjoyed this story. I hope you will leave any thoughts that you have about this story in the comments section. There are many, many ramifications to the story, and I do not claim to have said them all or to have even conceived of them all as of this point in time. I want to thank my friend John for sending me this documentation and telling me about this event that happened just a decade ago. Well, that's about all for tonight. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air. <laughs>